Lorne will now give the message. Thank you, Lorne. Thanks, uh, John and uh, Judy. Uh, I, I was thinking about Advent candles, actually, and I, I know it's a, 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 a thing in Advent that we have Advent candles, but I think it would be more appropriate to have Advent flashing lights and trumpets. Don't you think? Oh, good. Thank you. Some, one person's in agreement anyway. I want to begin by telling you a story about a young couple, and Max is going to bring them up on the screen, uh, called Austin and Ashton Samuelson. And in 2008, they graduated from a Christian university in America, and they decided to completely dedicate their lives um, into the service of Christ. They didn't want to serve in a traditional church setting like we have here, but in a community-based ministry, and they eventually wanted to reach the world. Ashton was a real estate agent, so he had business skills, and Austin was a school teacher. They felt this pull, uh, given their God-given skills, uh, not just to feather their own nests with their work, but to completely dedicate everything that they'd earned and got uh, to God's service. They wanted to impact not only the local community, but the world for Christ. They started to pray. And as they prayed, they noticed quite a high concentration of homeless people living near their apartment in Los Angeles. And every day as Ashton went to and from her school where she was teaching, she noticed that there was a homeless woman that always used to wait by the six-minute red light twice a day. One day she decided to do something. So she rolled down the window of her car and she greeted the lady. And over time she got to know her. She writes this, that relationship is what ignited passion for me and Austin. It helped us to realize that every person has a story and that hunger and homelessness has a name. So they started something, that started something inside of us that we just couldn't stop. The Samuelsons began serving in their spare time on the weekends and in any free time they had in a homeless shelter in Los Angeles, where they started especially to be confronted with the problem of hunger. They learnt that 18,000 children under the age of five die every day somewhere in the world from hunger or hunger-related diseases. So they started to sponsor some World Vision children where hunger was a severe problem. Following a change of jobs um, and a move back home to Arkansas, they still had this pull to help serve with hunger. One night, they both had worked quite late. I think Ashton had been doing school reports or something. Um, and 
they, um, they were sitting in a restaurant together, a taco bueno restaurant. And Austin said this, what if there was a restaurant that donated a free meal for every meal that was purchased? Ashton replied, yeah, that's a great idea. Somebody should do that. Someone who has the skills and experience and money and all the things that we don't have. Well, you can probably guess what happened. This is how the Holy Spirit works. In 2011, still working as a school teacher and a real estate agent with no restaurant experience at all, they opened a little place called Pitta 45 with 10 college workers. It's not quite that one yet, but that'll do. Um, with 10 college workers and themselves with no dishwasher. They slept in the basement next to the conveyor room. The shop served pizzas, which they thought would be an easy way and a cost-effective way um, to um, sell uh, food and then gain a profit to sell. I think they were, at that stage, for every pizza they sold, they were able to give 22 cents away to um, a world hunger organisation. And they started do donating money to an organisation called Feed My Starving Children. They then went to Swaziland in a school holiday. So they were working full time, running this restaurant, and they went off to Swaziland to see how their money was doing. And they were so inspired. They realised, however, that they could do so much more. On one occasion, the food ran out as they were dishing out rice to children, and there was a 150-metre-long queue of children who had nothing to eat. So they went back to the States. They carried on their work at Pitta 41. They finished their jobs as real estate agents and school teachers, and they opened another restaurant called Tacos for Life. They realised that tacos were far more popular than pizzas and the food was a lot healthier and more people would buy tacos. So that's what they did. For every taco that was bought, they would send the equivalent of a taco to somewhere in the world. And do you know that over a very short time, they started up 17 Tacos for Life restaurants and they employed 400 people. Each day, each location aims to raise a thousand meals. That totaled 13.8 million meals in three months. Their ministry grew and now serves 60 countries worldwide. The Samuel said this, we are really serious about our mission, not just feeding others, but making the very best tacos out. So here's a couple who are combining their God-given skills and talents with their material wealth and their love for God and a compassion to feed the malnourished. One taco at a time. Now, I took the time to describe this ministry because it showed, particularly for me, how God can take what we offer and over the years he can transform it 
transform our small efforts into something really quite big and impacting. All it takes is a desire to serve God, prayer, a lot of risk, but also ultimately trust in God. So today we're looking at this third parable about um, the parable of the talents in the Olivet Discourse, which anticipates the second coming of Christ and how believers should get themselves ready. Two weeks ago, Dennis taught us on how we should wait wisely by serving wholeheartedly in what God has called each of us to do. Then last week, Howard taught on the wise and foolish virgins and how we are to keep busy with our lamps burning brightly. The essential features of all this Olivet Discourse teaching, if you could put up the next slide, is I just want to summarize. You've seen the slide before, but here are five essential points about the teaching of the second coming. First of all, we have been living in the end times for the last 2,000 years. Ever since the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, we've been living in the end times. Secondly, we are not to be alarmed by worldwide disasters, wars, tragedies, COVID. These are the things of birth pangs, like the birth pangs of creation groaning before the Lord will return. Thirdly, Christ will come again. This is the second advent. And when it does, fourthly, there will be a universal judgment. And today's parable focuses more on the one-talent person than it does on the five and the two-talent person. The judgment of those who fail to trust God with what he's given them. And fifthly, in the meantime, we are to get on with the job, each one of us, in preparing the kingdom of God by praying and doing thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We should be bringing in the kingdom, preparing for the groom to come. So today, we've got the parable of the talents. And I thought we'd just put this one up here because we're all supposed to be like little children. Didn't that Jesus say that in one of his parables? Unless you become like little children. Um, and we're looking at the parable of the talents. And Jesus delivers a punch into the solar plexus. The master Jesus goes away and leaves the resources in the hands of three of his servants. That would be a Christ follower like you or me. And he gave to each according to their capacity or their ability, and I love that. He doesn't expect us all to be the same. He gives according to our capacity and our ability. And he goes away expecting those resources to be put to full use. Of course, two of them do that. And upon his return, the two uh, that uh, had done that, he was pleased with them. The one who didn't, he was very angry. And he punishes the one who didn't use what had been put into his hands. This is, if you like, a picture of the judgment. All of us will stand before Christ one day and give an account for our service. 
So there are two particular things in this parable that I felt to draw your attention to today, because you've probably heard many sermons on this one. And the first one is this, the property that is given. In the Good News uh, version that John read to us, we are told it's 5,000, 2,000, and 1,000 gold coins. In other versions, it talks about five talents, two talents and one talent. Now, the talent is not what we think as like skills and gifts. A talent was a sum of money. It was the largest monetary weight of the day. It was equivalent to 15 years' wages. One commentator wrote quite a long time ago that a talent would be equivalent to 1.36 New Zealand dollars. That's if gold was $600 an ounce. But today, I checked the value of gold, it's actually $2,600 an ounce, which means that the five-talent man was given $27.2 million. The two-talent man was given, or woman, was given $10.88 million. And the one-talent person was given $5.44 million. Hands up who would like $5.44 million. Right. The point is this, that the master's possessions are of incredible value. The kingdom of God, if you like, is out of this world. You cannot put a known value on it. So, for example, when Jesus sends out 72 disciples and he says, go and heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God has come upon you, he's saying, when a person gets healed, that's an invaluable thing. When someone is clothed or fed in the name of Jesus... That is such a blessing. When a person is completely forgiven of their sins, it brings such relief and healing. When a person is delivered of a demon, and believe you me, there are demons in New Zealand. Some people say, no, that's all rational thinking now, but no, not at all. In fact, the demons probably prevent people from seeing the glory of the gospel of Christ because people's minds in our nation have been blinded to the truth. And who does the blinding? It's Satan. So if a person is delivered from demonic oppression or possession, it's absolutely life-changing. Now, my um, cell group, my little home group, we've been watching a series um, called The Chosen. Um, And in this series, we see the deliverance of Mary Magdalene from seven demons at the beginning of the um, film. It's, It's absolutely extraordinary, the change that you see in this woman when she's delivered. This is the kingdom. This is the value of the kingdom. Life changing. Now, each one of us has been given not only unique natural gifts or natural talents, but we've also been given the mighty Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is the one that transforms everything. He transforms, for example, dull, dusty religion into living faith. The Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave. Paul writes in Romans 8, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. We are to look for ways to employ these God-given natural talents that we've got, but also the supernatural in our lives. We need to be aware and open to the flow of the Holy Spirit in us and through us to others. Because we want to see the kingdom of God grow. We want to see the kingdom of God expanded as we wait for his return. The second thing I want to draw your attention to is that the first thing is the value of the possessions that are given to us. The value and the power and the um, inc incomparable power of what is given to us. The second thing is notice how the servants viewed their master. This parable, Robert McClellan suggests, is not so much about risk and reward, but more about trust, mutual trust. The master has given talents, each according to their own ability, to make good use of their master on their master's behalf. <clears throat> Similarly, the two good servants trust in their master's goodness, in his wisdom to apportion the talents, and also in the master's reaction to their faith filled attempts to manage them. They trusted in him. They trusted, they knew him. He's a good master. He's given us something really valuable. He will reward our efforts if we try and step out and try. He'll reward us. But the mistake of the wicked servant is not in failing to trust the market, but in his failure to know and trust his master. His poor management strategy is to operate out of fear. He operated out of fear rather than gratitude and faith and trust. He says to the master, I know, I knew you were a harsh man. And that was his greatest miscalculation. He really didn't know the master at all. He didn't know the master. He knew about the master and his thinking about the master was all wrong. But he didn't know him personally, because if he'd known the master, he would have trusted in him and put the talent to use. You know, there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And this parable is about the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. You know, the more that we seek to walk with God in our daily lives and get to know him and trust him and have conversations with him and step out in faith in small areas like the Ashtons did to start off with, the more he will give us because he's seeing that we're stepping out in faith. The more that we step out, the more that he gives. And that's what happens at the end of the parable, doesn't he? He gives the one talent back to the one who had plenty. 
And you'd, we'd be thinking, that doesn't make sense. That's pretty unfair. Couldn't you go and find someone else who's got one talent to give it to them? But no, the message of the gospel is this as Christians. As we step out in faith, God will give more. God will give more. God will give more. Because he's to be trusted. And the thing about that is that it's so life-giving. It's not drudgery and duty and it's life-giving to trust God and to walk in his ways. Do you know that Jesus said this, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have done. And they will do even greater things because I'm going to the Father. The same Holy Spirit that resided in Jesus is the same Holy Spirit who resides in you and me. Think about that. By being given the Holy Spirit, Jesus was able to do all those miraculous things and loving things and eventually go to the cross. It was through the power of the Spirit who helped him. Now, our master, Jesus, is still away. His second coming hasn't happened yet. But we have to trust and step out, each one of us, because he's provided each of us according to our ability. He's provided talents and gifts, not just to enable us to survive day by day, but to thrive and to flourish. Jesus came that we might have life in all its fullness, to shine his light into the world. Now some here might struggle with this idea, but he came to, to transform fearful hearts to hearts of love and trust. He's come to transform hearts full of doubt to hearts full of faith. He's come to transform grumpiness to joy. He's come to, 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 to see that lives controlled by constant anxiety can be transformed into serenity, peace, and calmness. He's come to transform cynicism to pure hearts. He's come to transform living lives of self-centeredness to lives of other-centeredness. He's come to transform suspicion into certainty, from selfishness and grasping to exceeding generosity. That's what he's come to transform, to become more like Christ. You know, the world, that, as we know it, is full of those who would want to use fear to motivate and manipulate people. And the church, the people of God, have an important response to the world ruled by fear. That is, faith is more powerful. Faith in God is so powerful. We don't have to be controlled by fear. We need to rise up and live in faith and show the world the way Jesus lived his life. You know, faith is so attractive because it dispels fear. John said this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. 
And Paul says, for this reason, I remind you, he said to Timothy, to fan into flame the gift that God has given you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. I think this is the knowledge and the trust which enabled the Samuelsons to eventually form a ministry over many years that has transformed many people's lives. Their faith journey grew from committing their lives to serving God with their talents, to noticing the homeless, to serving in a homeless shelter, to receiving a compassion for the hunger, to stepping out and starting a restaurant where profits went to the poor and marginalized, and eventually forming a ministry that has impacted over 60 nations. They're feeding about 17,000 people a day. Now, you and I are not the Samuelsons. You're you, and I'm me. But the Master, Jesus, has given us his resources according to our ability. So, I want to leave you with these thoughts. What talents and gifts has God put in your hands? Do you need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to fill your life? Are you just in survival mode, getting on with our lives quietly and trusting and waiting for God to take you home one day? Or are you someone who knows that God is to be trusted and he's wanting you to find greater fullness and greater satisfaction in your life with him? It doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are. I think of the lovely story of um, that beautiful missionary who went off to Hong Kong who offered a life at the age of five, knelt down and offered a life to Christ. And she eventually had this ministry, Jackie Pullinger, in Hong Kong. She was filled with the Holy Spirit at the age of 14. She went to see a vicar um, at the age of 17 because she had a dream of a map of Africa with Hong Kong in the middle of it and the vicar had to say no Hong Kong's not in Africa it's in Asia oh that's where I'll go and she said to him what should I do and he said I think you better buy a ticket and go so off she went she had a one-way ticket to Hong Kong at the age of 18 she'd learned a bit of piano playing and how many lives have been impacted by that woman's faith just that simple childlike faith. And so if you're a young person here today, this message is for you, just as much as it is for anyone who's in their 80s or 90s or 100s. Need to add that one in now, because we've got two people in their hundreds. Let me pray for you today, and um, if you feel at the end of the service that you, you would like hands laid on you, and to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I know there's a prayer team here, and I'm very happy to wait as well and to pray um, for people. Um, let's just pray. Lord, um, it's such a challenge, the parable of the talents. Help us, Lord, to realize the value of what you've placed in our hands and help us to trust you. Not to look at the circumstances as Peter did when he stepped out of the boat and looked at the wind and the waves, but to look at you and keep our eyes firmly fixed on you.
because surely you are coming again soon. And none of us, Lord, want to be found wanting when you return. Fill us all afresh today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.